Good morning, North Shore Lions Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we hope you can stand with us and sing some worship this morning. It's, I know it's pretty awkward to do in your house, but uh, just uh, stand up if you will.
documents and bring a notebook. Please sign up online. Thank you. Thank you, Marty. This morning's call to worship is from Psalm 138. I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple, and I give thanks to your name for for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day you called, you answered me. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his, pur- his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I just invite you to bow your heads now as we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we can meet here today and uh, praise your great name. I thank you that We have uh, an amazing pastor in Brendan uh, who's going to come up here and deliver uh, a great spirit-filled message. And we pray that you would be filling him up with the spirit so that he can speak to those uh, at home and to us. And uh, I just pray that your presence would be with him and with all of us today. Um, Just prepare our hearts for worship. Amen.
comes to say is here to set captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Serve it. Still you give yourself 
Pray together. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, you are God of abundant and steadfast love. And we gather together this morning to worship you, to worship 
who you are and how you make yourself present to us and to the world. Your love is vast, it's immeasurable, it's infinite, extends to the heights, and it surrounds us. Your love is right, it is good, and it's deeper than the oceans. And before your love, all creation bows. We cannot uh, contain your love that surrounds us. It is precious to us, it sustains us, it empowers us in our daily lives. God, you are loving and merciful, and this morning we come before you and we rest in your love. And as we experience your love, we open our hearts to you. We open our hearts to be searched by you. God, reveal to us the places and the times this week that we did not love you with our whole heart, that we did not love our neighbor as ourselves. God, we bring those things to you. We thank you for Jesus, who died on the cross to bear our sins, to provide a way to you. And we bring those sins to Jesus and trust in the work that he did on our behalf. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the joy set before him, that he was willing to endure the cross on our behalf. Thank you for the forgiveness that you provide for us. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your spirit. Enable us to see you and to love you. Enable us to see our brothers and sisters and love them and have compassion on them. This morning I want to lift up uh, our teachers and students as they head back to school this week. We ask for wisdom for the teachers and the administrators as they set up safe classrooms. We ask protection for them and for the kids who return. We also want to pray for South and Central America this morning. We pray first for people in our congregation from Brazil and Colombia and Chile and Peru and Mexico and other countries that are experiencing an uprise in the COVID virus. We pray for them as they worry for their loved ones, as they trust you with their loved ones, comfort them and be with them. And we pray uh, for people in those countries. We pray for your intervention. We pray for healing. We pray for a strengthening of their medical system. We also want to pray for Hong Kong at this time. God, we pray for those who live there and the fear they must be feeling now. We pray for peace and freedom and justice in Hong Kong. We pray for those believers there who know you, give them wisdom to know how to stand for what is good and right and true at this time. Thank you, God, for your presence with us. Amen. Before Brendan comes up, we're going to um, hear some youth reading scripture. So turn your attention to the screen.
Good morning, church. My name is Brendan. Oh, can we pause and redo that? Sweet. This is great. So you want me to clap, Ronnie? Am I just going to appear on stage or should I walk up again? Yeah, the video's not done yet, so sorry about that. And I'll just be here? I like it. <clears throat> All right, everyone, are we ready for the message? <laughs> Good morning, church. My name is Brendan, and I'm one of the many pastors right here on your TV, tablet, computer, or phone. As was just read by a few brilliant up-and-coming theologians, our message this morning is all about God is love. Our main passage for this morning will be 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. And so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open it up to that passage and just leave it open. We're going to get into it in just a little bit. This morning's message is a continuation of our sermon series on describing God. But right now we're going to describe love. The word love in the English language is it's a little bit slippery with, with lots of different meanings and interpretations. Most often when we think of the word love, we think about our desires or our emotional love, the things or people that we are drawn to by our own instincts. When I was a young man, I had a strong desire to find a nice young lady to date. I probably wouldn't have phrased it exactly that way back then, but by God's grace, I did meet an amazing young woman. And as we began dating, these powerful emotions rose up within me that I didn't even know were there, and nor could I really explain them. While this emotional love isn't the kind of love that God is, I still think it's important to look at a few verses that do speak to God's emotional, desiring kind of love. Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says this, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. And 1 Peter 1, chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It is God's deep desire that humanity would turn from their sinful ways, that they would stop putting one another down, and that they would turn to Jesus, in whom they could find forgiveness, purpose, healing, and hope. The biblical idea of love is far broader than desire or emotion. Those of us in the church are most likely familiar with the Greek, Greek term agape love, which is the unconditional love of God, and that is the love that we're going to be talking about this morning. This biblical notion of love is love without limits, Love that is freely chosen, love that does not grow weary, love that is undeserved and gracious. This love involves affection, compassion, care, and self-sacrifice. The storybook Children's Bible puts this well. God's love is the never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreakable, always-and-forever kind of love. 
Unfortunately, some people today say that this kind of love is only found in the New Testament. Many people in our culture have a hard time reconciling the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New. The God of the Old Testament, they say, is jealous, mean, and wrathful. Well, the God of the New Testament is kind, compassionate, gracious, and loving. However, with a closer look and a broader understanding of the Old Testament, one can see that this simply isn't true, and I want to have a, few, have a look at a few examples this morning. In the Exodus story, when Israel was camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, they're ready to receive the Ten Commandments and the law from God and Moses. God descended down to them and revealed himself to Moses at the top of the mountain. And this is what God proclaimed to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. This statement about God's benevolent character is found in several places throughout the Old Testament, and it's perfectly consistent with how we would describe the character of Jesus in the New Testament. The prophet Jonah ushered these same words. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, which was the capital city of the Assyrians. They were the superpower nation of the day, and the Assyrians had a horrible reputation. They were known for gloating about their violent ways, their their new forms of torture and military might. After a failed attempt to run away, Jonah reluctantly walked through the streets of the city, pronouncing the same message over and over and over again. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. What a compelling sermon. You're all going to die. If you know the story, the entire city, animals included, by the command of the king, repents in sackcloth, calling on the name of God and giving up their evil and violent ways. And in response to Nineveh's repentance, God relents and does not bring disaster. This is good news. And Jonah's furious. He wanted to watch them burn. And he turns to God and he says, I knew it. This is what I said when I tried to flee. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Through Jonah, the love of God gives Nineveh a stern warning. And because of their response, the love of God does not give the Ninevites what their previous actions deserved. They got a second chance at living life a new way. One more story from the Old Testament. The prophet Hosea. The recently deceased great evangelist Rabbi Zacharias said, This story is one of the most magnificent expositions of God's love. The prophet Hosea is told by God to marry a promiscuous woman as a prophetic symbol of God's love. Talk about a unique calling. So Hosea marries Gomer. They have three children together, and then Gomer leaves him for another man. It's unclear in the text whether it was one man or whether she was prostituting herself out to many way, but either way, she betrayed him and broke their wedding vows. Imagine being Hosea. He's trying to track down his spouse. He knows what she's up to, and God tells him to find her, to seek her out and to love her as his wife, as God loves his unfaithful people. The text says that Hosea actually has to buy her back. 
This is a picture of what God's love is like. God chooses to love us no matter how much we trample on his love towards us. This story is a radical demonstration of the commitment of God's gracious love towards his children, which rings, through, which rings true throughout all of Scripture. Now, when thinking of the phrase, God is love, we are not simply talking about the active love of God, but the fact that love is actually a core characteristic of who God is. Love has its roots in his very essence of his being, its roots in the very essence of God's being. First John chapter 4, verse 8 and 16 is where we find this phrase, God is love. I'm going to read chap- uh, chapter 4, verse 7 to 8 and 16. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Verse 16, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Up on the screen, in these seven verses, the word love is repeated 15 times. Can you guess the theme of this passage? J.I. Packer says this phrase, God is love, is perhaps one of the most tremendous utterances in the whole Bible. God does not merely love, but is love himself. And therefore, he must be a relational God, for this biblical kind of unconditional love is deeply relational. And we know this to be true because God has always existed in one essence and yet in three persons. This divine mystery is what Christians call the Trinity. And Pastor Mark gave two sermons on this a few weeks ago, and if you didn't listen to them, I encourage you to go back and do so. But what I'm getting at is this. At the very heart of the triune God is a community of persons that is wholly unified in joy, trust, delight, understanding, and love. Inside the Godhead, there is a complete intimacy where the giving and receiving of love has happened flawlessly from before the creation of the universe. And this means that love originates in God. He is its source, its beginning. And our passage in 1 John 4, verse 7 confirms this, saying love comes from God. I want to think about electricity for a moment. I'm so used to having electric power, I barely think about it. Lights turn on, clocks are always keeping time, appliances are running, screens are lighting up our faces without a second thought to how this magic actually works. But it's a complicated system. In BC, we have the luxury of many hydroelectric dams. I say luxury because it's so good to live in a place that has clean, renewable energy. BC has 31 generating stations sending electricity along 75,000 kilometers of power lines. That's enough wire to nearly encircle the globe almost two times. The electricity produced by these hydroelectric dams is then transmitted to different cities and towns throughout the province, which is then connected to neighborhoods and then to individual houses, all metered appropriately to measure each user's amount. When you stop and think about this highly complicated process that flawlessly delivers power at the flick of a switch or a simple plug-in, it is a remarkable technological feat that requires huge infrastructure. 
and electricity has changed how humanity lives in thousands of ways. And as electricity has changed our lives in so many ways, so has God's love changed us in thousands of ways ever since the cross of Christ. 1 John 4, verse 9 to 11 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought love one another. As we look to the cross, the full force of God's love is revealed. And as we see the length to which God's love has gone for us, it's impossible not to sense the power and the possibilities within that love. This is a force that has changed the world and continues to change the world when the followers of Jesus really come on board with it. You see, Jesus, he stood in the gap between God and rebellious humanity so that the current of God's unconditional love that was severed by our disobedience could freely flow between God and humanity once again. This current powered by the Holy Spirit has gathered communities together that selflessly love one another and those around them. This little community called the church took in the sick, loved the unlovables, recklessly gave away their money to help others. They loved their enemies and they joyfully loved one another. Christians are to blame for education hospitals, and programs to help the marginalized. Christians have been at the forefront of many scientific discoveries and medical breakthroughs. Christians were at the front of human rights movements and working towards abolishing slavery and racism. Verse 12 tells us that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The world sees God's love in action through the outpouring of the church's love for one another. And no, the church has not always got it right. North Shore Alliance doesn't always get it right. Too often our own sin continues to block us from connecting to God's love. But when the church is connected to God and allowing his current of love to flow through them, what an impact that can be made for God's kingdom. This passage masterfully crafts together the love of God with our loving response to his love. God's love and our love are intertwined together. God is the source of all love, and I believe that he continues to reach out to us today. We must allow ourselves to experience the love of God. I've experienced this love in a number of different ways over the years. Many times, I've experienced, I've, many times I've experienced an overwhelming sense of love, joy, and peace through worship. I've experienced the love of God through the Bible. It's words jumping off the page into my heart, speaking love and truth over my life. I've seen God's love through the glory and beauty of creation. And I've experienced the love of God through the loving generosity of other people. And when I became a father, there were many new thoughts and insights that I understood about God's fatherly love. About six, seven months ago, uh, when Pastor Paul first had his, his baby, the next four Sundays in the call to worship, there was always something new that he had learned about God's fatherly love, and it was so fun to, to watch and remember those early days of the firstborn. So how have you experienced the love of God in your life? 
If your mind is drawing blanks, I urge you to pray to God to reveal his love to you in tangible ways. I wanna share one more experience from my life. In 2004, I was 17, so you can do the math. I know I'm older than I, I look older than I am. Anyways, in 2004, uh, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, hit the big screen. My dad took me to the theater to watch it. And while this was an incredibly moving movie, at the time, what I remember most clearly is that I thought Gibson overdid the sheer violence done to Jesus. And I simply moved on. It wasn't until I was 21 and I was reading Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ, where Gibson's movie came back to my mind. One of the arguments that Lee was writing about in the book was that other religions and non-believers have put forth the idea that Jesus never actually died on the cross and that he recovered three days later. One of the chapters of Strobel's book is dedicated to that argument, which has been clearly refuted. In this chapter, Lee interviewed a medical doctor who had spent a lot of time researching Roman crucifixion. He explained in detail the process of flogging, which some died from on its own, and then being nailed and hung on a cross. He explained medically what would be happening in the body during this gruesome process. Crucifixion is awful. Its goal is maximum pain with a slow, gradual death by asphyxiation. I don't cry very often, but I remember being moved to tears as the gruesome scenes from the Passion flooded my mind as a probable reality to what Jesus actually experienced. I couldn't believe the depth of how far God would go for me to have me back. I had a powerful encounter and a new understanding of the depth of God's love for me that day. And I knew my response to this love needed to be sincere and real. My life had to change. I needed to become less selfish and more loving. And my response of wanting to change did not come from fear. It didn't come from me wanting to try to please God or to work my way to God. But my desire for change came because I knew I was already fully accepted and in the love of God. The debt of my sin was paid in full. I was a beloved child of God and nothing could change that. And perhaps this is a word directly for you. God's love is not based on your performance. God's love validates you on the basis of Jesus' work on the cross. And that work is finished. There is nothing in all of creation that can ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing. But if you're anything like me, sometimes thoughts, they creep into your head. They say things like, I'm not good enough. They say things like, I'm not worthy, that I'm not loved, or that my life is insufficient. Well, these kinds of thoughts are lies. And it is the truth of God's love that roots me and reminds me of who I am in Christ. So just in case you haven't heard this in a while, and if you think you're not good enough for God, if you think you are dirty or unlovable or not a good enough Christian or whatever lies pop into your head, I want you to hear this. You are still God's child. You are still made in his image. You are forgiven by the cross of Christ. You are a new creation. Your eternal future is secure and you don't have to do anything because God already did it and he loves you the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are accepted in his love wherever you are at. Receive God's love today and the day after today and every day. So church, 
Let's plug our lives into the current of God's love. We need his love because our love is finite and his love is infinite. Our love is too small, but his love is bigger than we can fathom. Our love is attachments, but his love is pure. So let's plug in and light up the world around us. How can we show God's love to others? Be generous with what you have. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is in the temple with his disciples. They're watching people put their tithes into the treasury. And then this widow comes up and she puts in these two small coins. And Jesus says, she's put more into the treasury than all the others. So wherever you're at, let's find ways to be generous to those around us. Next, stand in the gap for people who cannot stand up for themselves. Don't think that God's love is weak, soft, or wishy-washy. God's love is bold and courageous. Jesus stood up to the powers of his day. He called people out. He went out of his way to help others, and that's never easy. And he boldly took on the full force of the punishment that humanity deserves, and nothing could be more selfless or courageous than that. Jesus took on the power of evil. And that's what God's love does. And that's what we're called to do in the power of his love. And lastly, a theme throughout all of scripture is to take care of the vulnerable around you. So if you are moved by God's love this morning, sit down by yourself or with your family. Come up with a list of people in your circle that are vulnerable. And spend some time in prayer to ask God to narrow that list down to maybe one to three people. And then write down, how can you lovingly serve them in this season? And remember, the vulnerable doesn't always mean those caught in the poverty cycle. Right now, in light of COVID, think of the relational and spiritual poverty that people are experiencing. How can you step in with God's love and serve them? Let me pray for us. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you are the great source of love. Thank you that you've shown us what love is by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, taking the world's sin upon yourself so that we could be free, so that we could have a new life, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could become children of God, so that nothing, again, could ever separate us from the love of God, that our hope in an eternal future is secure. God, I pray that you would help us experience our love. God, if there's anyone out there who has never experienced your love, God, I pray that they would, that you would reach down to them like you always do throughout history, and that God would experience your goodness and your love. And for those of us who have experienced God's love, I pray that you would pour more of your love into their heart. And God, as you do that, I pray that you would help us to show others your love to those around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This next song is called Heart of God. Um, It's a new song. We haven't done it before. Um, I believe it's played in youth group a fair bit, but uh, I really like the lyrics. Uh, It speaks uh, about God's heart, obviously, but it sort of talks about how uh, nothing that we do can earn God's love, and it's there for us. Um, So... As, as we play this song, if you don't know the lyrics, just listen along to the, uh, or sorry, if you don't, yeah, if you don't know the lyrics, listen along to the lyrics, but uh, if you know it, sing along, but uh, yeah.
Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so grateful that you tuned in, and we hope that you've had uh, a great experience with us. My challenge to you this week is to take some time to connect with the all-powerful source of love, Jesus Christ. And as God has so loved you, so go now and love others. The final blessing is from Romans 5, verse 5. May God's love poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you in abundance. Amen.